Welcome to the Documenting Climate Change podcast. My name is Chris King, and in this episode, I'll be speaking to Afsana Angelina Rafi, founder and editor-in-chief of the independent magazine Icarus Complex, a biannual publication that Afsana launched last year that offers an in-depth look at the issues surrounding climate change. In the first issue, there are stories on economics, food, energy, decarbonizing, and much, much more, packed into 140 pages. The second issue is due later this year, and will be on the theme of nuclear energy. I wanted to find out about Afsana's experiences trying to single-handedly set up, manage, and grow an independent magazine, and so we talk about what motivated Afsana to devote her time and savings into producing Icarus Complex, the challenges she faced, what she would have done differently if she were to start again, and other practical insights into setting up an independent magazine covering the issue of climate change. While you can no longer buy a copy of the first issue via the Icarus Complex magazine website, you can still get your hands on a copy via outlets such as Magazine Heaven, which is where I got mine. A link to the website can be found in the show notes on the Documenting Climate Change website, and I would definitely recommend grabbing a copy while you still can. Before I leave you to enjoy the interview, I just want to let you know that if you are documenting the issue of climate change in any way and would like to share your work and experiences whether you're exploring the causes the impacts the mitigation efforts or adaption efforts and in any format whether written visual or audio then please get in touch so we can discuss getting on the podcast or your work featured on the website or social media you can email me at chris at documentingclimatechange.org now for the interview I'm Afsane Angelina Rafi. I'm the editor and founder of Icarus Complex magazine. It's a biannual magazine that aims to take an in-depth look at issues um, surrounding climate change. What we're interested in is uh, covering systemic and macro level challenges around climate change. So politics and policy, the legal framework, societal issues, economics and finance, these sort of things. What motivated you to start? the publication? Um, when I realized the severity of the climate problem, I, I mean, it was sort of always a notion in the back of my mind, but I never realized the urgency of it until I read a series of articles in the year 2018 that really um, were the catalyst uh, for my obsession around climate change. And then also when in October of that year, the interior minister of France resigned. He was a lifelong environmentalist. Mm -hmm. That was sort of the last drop that made me feel like, okay, other people aren't going to solve everything for you. You you need to also try to do what you can. And since I was working in publishing before, I decided to put my skill set to the service of this issue. So you had you had experience with the publishing industry yes. prior to this? Then. I used to edit a magazine um, in Luxembourg. I was also the associate publisher of a magazine based in London. I still continue to write for um, design publications. And how did you get it up and running then? Obviously with that background that would have helped but yes. obviously they're still practical. So one of the f magazines I used to work on I was tasked with getting it up and running so I okay. sort of had an idea of what it takes 
but I guess the two primary pillars I was trying to build up and which took me the longest one was finding a design studio that could translate the aesthetic that I was looking for and secondly it was building my network of writers that could write about the subject because because of the background I had I, I the writers I knew were more in the creative field so um, and then obviously one of the most important pillars is finances which I didn't really bother thinking about much at the time <laughs> because it's not um, part of my skill set to uh, look for money uh -huh. um, so I decided to use my savings for the first issue yeah and that's how I started it though have you now found the backing since no, publishing? <laughs> no <you haven't. laughs> and so uh, so if you ask me what I would do differently, that would be what I would do differently <laughs> because I obviously want to uh, the project to survive. But um, I do have plans um, to do some campaigns once we have more of the materials for issue two. Um, and I should say that for the first issue, I purposely kept the cover price low because I just wanted to have more of a chance to actually sell um, so there's really no much not much of an income coming from the sales of the magazines in terms of the actual finding the writers and stuff so you had to go beyond your, your existing network and find yeah. writers how easy was that so i uh, joined platforms that i abhorred until then uh, which were twitter and linkedin <laughs> um, to try to reach out to people. I was constantly reading articles and trying to reach out to the people who wrote those articles. Mm -hmm. But also for the first issue, um, I wasn't just reaching out to journalists. Um, I was also reaching out to academics. So some of the pieces were written by people who had more of an academic perspective mm -hmm. on the issue. And how was that, you know, dealing with people who weren't necessarily used to communicating you know engaging with the, the general public and, and maybe writing more academic texts so I think it's it's on the one hand it's interesting because I feel like they obviously have more of an in-depth in knowledge mm -hmm. of the subject but on the other hand it sort of defeats the purpose of why I started this magazine in the first place which was to make it much more approachable as a subject to mm -hmm. the general public so um, you know, there are plenty of scientific uh, journals out there that can explain these issues. But if you want to make it more relatable, you need to have a sort of storytelling that is rooted in facts. And I think journalists are best placed to write those kinds of stories. So for the second issue, I've tried to shy away from people who don't have writing as a vocation. And in terms of the imagery then that's accompanying that, how, what's kind of influenced uh, the selection process there? So my aim with this magazine was always to sort of straddle a middle way um, and make it have a current affairs feel, mm -hmm. but also convey um, the impact that you see uh, photography have in fashion or design magazines which are much more visual and aesthetic so i was trying to not be too beautiful but also still be sort of eye-catching mm -hmm. so the studio the design studio i work with 
has been very helpful because they really grasped that task and mm -hmm. they've been really excellent at um, also sourcing the kinds of photographers that we want and and Instagram is a great tool too. So, I mean, I've been looking um, for a lot of photographers on that. Is there a particular style that you're looking for? Like, are you exploring long form content or are you keeping it short? No, so the idea with the, with the magazine is to really take an in-depth look. So it is more long form, but we do like to break it up with Q&A interviews. Basically the change between the first and the ongoing issues going forward is that we want to have a main theme mm -hmm. in each issue but that doesn't mean that every article in the magazine will cover this topic we'll have many other topics as well but the main feature will be and beyond the theme is there anything that you're doing differently in, in this issue that you didn't do in the first issue not really we're no. trying to keep the sort of same flow will have one art focus, some Q&A interviews and some bigger features, yeah. topics, okay. ranging from like the EU's food policy to um, the oil producing countries, what their post-carbon world game plan is. What's the response been like for the first issue? Uh, it's been really positive. So we sold out within the first month and a half. People love the style of the magazine. So mm -hmm. that's a really nice response we got, but also on the topics that we covered, people found it quite interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the choices I made was to the magazine pretty much opens with a Q&A interview with a young conservative who's a climate activist. Right. And a lot of people, the feedback I got was that they found that particular piece to be quite surprising mm, sure. because you wouldn't expect to see someone who's Republican um, within the pages of a climate magazine. Mm -hmm. But they found it really positive because obviously this topic needs to transcend any sort of political current. Has the journalist followed up on that story and, and how that conservative individual is, is kind of progressing in their campaign to... Yeah, I followed up with him. I, okay. I was the one who interviewed him. And um, yes, hopefully he'll actually be writing a piece for our website uh, soon, but he's working with a lot of uh, Republican senators mm. to help them come up with their own version of a green plan. And until now, they haven't been exploring that at all then? No? Well, actually, no, actually now they, they know that it's an important issue and it's thanks to guys like this Benji Backer um, uh, and especially for the new generation of, of Republicans because basically he talks also in this article about how there's a dissonance between the older generation and the new generation that really grasps the urgency of the climate issue but that is but ideologically they're just more conservative so you know so it's trying to work um, on finding solutions that fit within that umbrella basically and so obviously then your your magazine uh, has a global reach then it's not just focused on any particular country or continent yes so um, I mean 
One of our aims is to translate this idea that climate change or the climate emergency is not something that's going to happen uh, two generations down the line because, you know, when I brought it up initially when I was starting this magazine, a lot of people would say, "Ah, oh, yes, our grandchildren will have a lot of problems to deal with. And I would think, no, it's not your grandchildren. It's you. It's happening now. So mm -hmm. it's the nowness of it that I'd like to convey and also the fact that it's not just happening um, to the poor people uh, on the far east of the world or the south, but it's going to happen to everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to make palatable to everyone. Mm -hmm. You're obviously the, the linchpin for this project and, and you've initiated it and, and you're sustaining it. Um, have you managed to build a team around you and gain some support from others? So it does still feel a bit like an isolated endeavor. Right. <laughs> but only because my design team is based in Portugal. So it's not, uh, I don't unfortunately have daily interactions with them where I can, you know, see them and interact with them. But, I mean, they're very reliable partners that I'm really happy to have on board. Mm -hmm. um, right now we have a team of interns that are working with me. Um, and then it's um, the recurring writers and photographers, but they're all spread out across the world. So it's, it's not like you would imagine a magazine functioning where you enter an office and there's like 10 people sitting there that's not how it works <laughs> but yes i'd like to have a team of people that are excited to work on this project mm -hmm. are there any lessons uh, you've mentioned obviously that uh, you would probably change the way that you're financing it if you were to start again um, but are there other lessons that you've learned along the way um well, I don't know if it's a lesson, but something that I sort of regret is that, you know, I started it because of a fundamental belief system and um, feeling the urgency of a topic. And also at the time I felt like there was not that sort of this kind of publication out there. So I felt like I was filling a gap. Mm -hmm. But um, the part that I don't enjoy that much is that because at the end of the day, it's sort of a business and you've launched a magazine, you get sidetracked mm. with things like the number of readers and number of followers on Instagram and things like that, which I wish I didn't have to mm. care about as much. Is that even avoidable in this day and age? Well, no, I mean, I think you have to stay realistic and you're also creating this not to be in a vacuum, but to, you know, you want the content that you cover and which is in the magazine to influence people and affect change or make them think about certain things in a certain way. So obviously you want to have reach. So it is important to work on that reach, but... I think it's also important to keep um, the values that you started with mm. in mind always. Yeah. And in terms of the physical distribution of the magazine, how have you found that? It's challenging uh, to find the right fit. There are several distributors out there. 
I mean, for me, the challenge when I started out was that many distributors didn't know what to do with me because there just wasn't that kind of publication out there. They were more concentrated on art and culture publication or fashion and design. So yeah, so that was difficult. And then it's also kind of secretive. They're not very forthcoming about the numbers and the effective reach that you actually have so right. it's challenging to keep track of where you are and mm. it's quite shocking really that it is considered such a, a niche uh, subject matter and, and yeah. doesn't have that same kind of potential breadth of, of readership yeah. that and then obviously that's restricting your potential to get it yeah and also people. I just find it a bit ironic because it's such a I mean, it is the topic of the moment. Mm. And you go to any kiosk or magazine shop, there's at least 200 fashion magazines competing with each other. I mean, do we really need to talk about that subject that much? Are you, are you going to consider the potential for advertising or anything like that? Because you're talking about wanting to retain the same approach and, and yeah. your values and stuff. So, uh, but also, you know, you, you need to balance that with trying to make the project sustainable and, and yeah so actually right now i'm just giving out pages for free only because i've come across some organizations that i think are doing very important work so mm -hmm. i'd like to give them a sort of platform to oh, expose nice. that yeah. um but in terms of making uh, money out of it uh, for to sustain the publication i think given the topic it's a tricky one because mm. you have to make sure again that the values are aligned um, and that it can't be used against you yeah. to sort of call you out on some sort of hypocrisy so um, mm. so I would thread that very carefully yeah would you have any advice for people who were wanting to set up a, a publication large or small global or local um, yeah <laughs> there. <laughs> There are many, many, many things to say. I mean, it takes obviously a very strong commitment and I would say leverage on any kind of help that you can get um, and on your network. And also, um, I think what's important is building relationships mm -hmm. again. I think mm -hmm. an, another important lesson probably is that when you start your own publication, it's sort of, you know, your baby so you could end up wanting to control every aspect of it mm. but i think you also have to be very honest with yourself about what your strengths are and mm. where somebody else might be a much better contributor um, social media for example is not one of my strengths <laughs> and i tried to do it myself in the beginning and i wasn't very successful at it and so I asked someone to come on board and do it and mm -hmm. they're doing a great job so and you can definitely tell the difference yeah but it must must be difficult as you say because you're the one who's kind of sown that seed and, and invested a huge amount of time and energy and resources into it yeah. so you've obviously got expectations and aspirations and, and it must be difficult to relinquish control um, yeah, it's also not just the control aspect, but sometimes there's also the financial 
component because I've already invested in, you know, in paying writers and photographers and illustrators and the printing. So I'd like to contain anything else that I might have to spend on. But, um, you know, some people are happy if they believe in a project to contribute yeah. in any way they can. So. Yeah. We kind of talked about why you set it up, but in terms of like your desired overall outcome, you know, what what do you hope, what are you wanting to achieve? What impact do you want to have? Obviously, it's, it's very difficult, you know, to actually measure the yeah. impact, especially when you're dependent on distributors who aren't necessarily transparent about where it's going. They're being sold, but you don't actually know the consequence of it. So it, it's difficult to measure the impact, but what are you hoping will be the outcome of, of this publication and you know which will hopefully be many many more issues to come well I hope to trigger the right kind of questions and also push people to have certain conversations and so that's really what I hope to achieve um, again because I want to transcend any sort of political narrative and look at subjects objectively and I'd also I'd like to ask that additional question that will help you understand a topic whether it's waste management or you know okay carbon um, I mean sorry if you have electric cars you know there's the idea that okay lithium batteries are also bad for the environment but it's asking that extra question of okay then what can we do yep. to um, mitigate that risk or um, what are other solutions then but it's i just don't want to leave certain things in a vacuum where people who are trying to make an effort then get discouraged mm. uh, i'd like to take a deeper look mm -hmm. at things and trigger the right kind of conversations so generally speaking you are taking a solutions focus then um so the idea is that the website really just focuses on solutions whereas the um, print mag is not just solution based it just looks at the overall picture and like the next issue where is going to be the nuclear issue so we're okay. taking an overall look at nuclear energy because it's sort of a dividing line within the green movement mm -hmm. um, so we're interested to look at all angles of mm -hmm. the subject yeah that'll be interesting to to read that and what's your perspective based on what you've been exposed to now because obviously you would have had a, an opinion before you started exploring this subject and now with all the articles having been handed over and submitted and reading those well actually i haven't i read i haven't received yet the big article on the right. subject okay. um but yes i've done uh, quite a bit of research myself and uh, it's a long one, maybe another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. it's, it's a complex issue. Yeah. And as you say, it's a very divisive one as well in terms yeah. of you know, what, what role nuclear has to play in the future. Yeah. So how can people subscribe to and support the magazine? Then? Um, you can go online at IcarusComplexMagazine.com and subscribe. And also, um, you could drop us an email with your ideas at submissions at IcarusComplexMagazine.com.
Thanks for listening to the Documenting Climate Change podcast. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Afsana. And if you'd like to find out more about Icarus Complex Magazine, visit IcarusComplexMagazine.com, where you can read their journal, explore their database of organizations working on the issue of climate change, and submit work for consideration. The show notes for this episode, with links to all the people and organizations mentioned, can be found on the Documenting Climate Change website. Visit documentingclimatechange.org and navigate to the podcast section of the site. While you're there, if you sign up to the weekly newsletter, you'll be kept up to date with the latest releases, articles, advice on how to better communicate on the issue of climate change, as well as featured work. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast via whichever app you use, and please share this episode with everyone you know, and help more people see it by leaving a rating and review. Once again, if you're doing something to document the issue of climate change in any way and would like your work to be featured on the podcast or the website, then please get in touch with me via email at chris at documentingclimatechange.org. Thanks again, and until next time, take care.